Five years ago, we were just podcasters trying to figure out this medium, and now here we are. We've created a podcast festival by podcasters for podcast fans. That's the way it should be. And we are able to do this every year because of our sponsors. Area for Life. Casper Mattress. Libsyn. Nixon Peabody. Pod X Ref. Satchel. Spare Men. Wondry. Please silence cell phones. No video recording with your cell phones, but you can take pictures. Just don't be annoying about it. I'm talking to you, Jeff. Now it's time for another podcast, live from the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Preska. And, and everything's, everything's Coming Up Podcast. We're playing the whole song. No, we're playing. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. We don't want to get sued. More than we you get should. Sued? sued. Thanks so much for coming out, you guys. Holy yeah, shit. Let's hear it for you guys. <laughs> it would be great. It would be great. I heard one person woo, and it would be great if it was just that one person, <laughs> nobody else. Just because, I mean, people listening can't see that there are actual humans here, but it'd be great if it seemed like there was only one. <laughs> Par for the course. Uh, yeah, we are super <laughs> excited to be at PodFest. Uh, something that I think is really funny about it is that it actually makes you think that podcast listeners like to go places, which is just not true. Yeah. We like to be in our houses. It, it was very uncomfortable being at the PodFest and watching the live podcast and not be driving. Like, it was a really weird... <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to experience or enjoy this. You, uh, s you still hit people on the way I over here. It was I still impressive. People. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if you know our show already, which we hope you do, you know that each time we ask our favorite writers and creators and artists that either have worked on the show or just love the show to talk about their favorite episode, uh, this one is special because we're doing a... Uh, clip show. So it's come to this, you guys. A Simpsons <laughs> podcast clip show. We're doing an LA podcast, Everything's Coming Up podcast, clip show special. I don't know if that's the official title, but it should be. It is. <laughs> now. Good, it's done. Uh, so yeah, we've brought some of our favorite fans uh, that we are also fans of, and then we brought some of our favorite people that worked on the show. Uh, you might notice that David Silverman is not here. Uh, we will be talking shit about him the entire time. Please tweet him that you hate him. <laughs> <laughs> At Tubatron, I think is his <laughs> name. <laughs> no, no. Uh, that was his personal Twitter. <laughs> At AOL.com. Oh, no, that's his email. <laughs> what am I doing? Uh, yeah. Do we have any sponsors for this? I mean, Casper kind of covered it all. Uh, we have Casper Mattress. Listen, Allie, you gave me one job. <laughs> <laughs> and I did not do that job. <laughs> if you listen to the podcast, you know that every single episode, uh, there are different sponsors specific to that episode. Um, you know, some of them have been Tamaco. Uh, some of them have been uh, Ion Springfield. Um, today, we are brought to you by water. Water, baby. Yeah. Heard of it? <laughs> Drink it up. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So we are going to go down the panel and ask everyone, uh, everyone has already brought their favorite clip of the show, or just a clip that they think is super special to them, and uh, we're going to start with the way that we started our actual podcast with our very first podcast guest, Alex Hirsch. Give it up for Alex Hirsch! Yo, what's up? Yeah. Hey, hey, podcast audience. I have nothing to do with this show. 
I, I shouldn't be here. I should be over there sitting with you guys. I'm just a fan, and for some reason, I'm allowed to hang out with these people. You're like our kid, though. You're like the son of a Simpsons. Aww. Yeah, well, I grew up watching The Simpsons, and then I made a show th that in some ways ripped off The Simpsons on like an <laughs> episode-to-episode basis. Um, and I, instead of being locked in jail for that, I got to hang out with cool Simpsons people. So I, that's a great prize for me. And like I said, David for us, Silverman it's like being in jail. <laughs> uh, so Alex, as most of you guys know, created Gravity Falls. We love him very much. Josh Weinstein, sitting to his left, was a writer on Gravity Falls. And um, so yeah. Alex, Alex. We is should have Alex write a Simpsons episode. Ooh. Yeah, right. Be Matt Groening, are you listening? Are Matt, you listening, you say Matt? That about no, he everybody. We can, we, can, we can decide. <laughs> Based on applause, can I write an episode yes. of the show? Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's good, right? It could have clues. It could have a brother and a sister and a dumb, a dumb father figure. He's trying to trick me into making a third season of my show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it could be up in the Northwest. <laughs> the characters could look a little different. And each episode could take like 18 months to make. That's true. That's how long each episode of Gravity Falls takes to make. Uh, Matt, so is this how the Simpsons writers' room is working now? Are you just giving away episodes to like people you meet on the bus? Well, you know, people we admire and want to co-brand with. Yeah. He's not just giving away episodes. He's giving away scripts. Woo! But only if you're good. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, so this, this clip that Alex chose, it's so funny because Alex is such a wholesome, good person based on his Twitter. Uh, but we all know that we're human beings that are multifaceted. And I asked, what clip do you want to do? And he chose one. I won't, uh, you know, make him, uh, I won't say this for him. I won't out him. But he might relate a lot to Homer in this next clip, which we are going to watch right now. And then ask Alex, why did you choose this clip? So clip me. Clip me, baby. What's happening to me? Okay, retrace your steps. Woke up, fought with Marge, ate Guatemalan insanity peppers, then I... Oh. Where am I? Shelbyville? Man, this is crazy. I hope I didn't brain my damage. I better check my pupils. Okay. I think I'm gonna be leaving now. Sunset. Sunrise. Sunset. Sunrise. Sunset. Sunrise. Sunset. Sunrise. Sunset. Sunrise. Sunset. Note to self: Stop doing anything. Yeah. What a great clip. So tell us why, if you may, why this clip is the one you chose. I just got back from Burning Man. <laughs> Um, End of story. That's it. Next <laughs> No follow-up questions. Uh, so Ali said, like, choose a clip that has, like, a significant meaning to you. And, like, you know, like, The Simpsons has all these moments that are, like, heartfelt and philosophical. Um, and then, like, 
I was thinking about because I was just I was I was just at Burning Man and I was like, oh, is, I is David Silverman still there? <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's not that here today. Still out there? Yeah, because he directed this, and this sequence comes from part from the brain of David Silverman. From the brain of David Silverman. Well, I I remember seeing this as a kid and thinking like that would be neat to be a grown up and like have a river turn into a snake and like shatter the sun. I wonder what that's like. And then like it finally happened. I was like, okay, The Simpsons got it. The Simpsons nailed it. Um, little, a little surprise. I'm actually on acid right now. So as <laughs> this goes on and on, we're just you take acid, you're never not on acid. I, what I hear. <laughs> there is no podcast. I'm at, you're I'm alone in, in a hotel ballroom right now. <laughs> the walls are that's some bad again. acid. If you imagine you're at a podcast, festival. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have the most boring hallucination I agree. possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I just chose this because it was like, I, like, I, like over the course of my life, my whole life has just been a series. I'm sure many of you can relate to this of getting Simpsons references. Like, you see it as a kid, and you're like, I like all these funny characters hitting each other over the head, but, like, I don't understand these references to movies and philosophy and drugs, then as life goes on, you're like, I get that, I get that, I get that. So, like, this, I finally, I fully appreciate this after coming back, um, but I know that, like, I'm here with people who made this, and so I'm curious to hear from you guys, like, what, what, what was behind all this? this? It originally started from an idea from George Meyer. About because he was really into Carlos Castaneda. I have a feeling you're going to say that a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> an idea from George Meyer. George Meyer. That was a George Meyer yeah. joke. That, but he so it stemmed from his head, and then we wanted to do we wanted to do an episode that was just really mystical and psychedelic. Was like part of yeah. it because like we grew like I, Yellow Submarine's my favorite movie of all time, and so like we wanted to like we just wanted to do like a weird cool trip, but have it to do with like Homer and Marge because like that's the deepest. How thing. did you get from that to Guatemalan insanity peppers. Like, where, where did that spark come from? I don't remember, like, who, <laughs> who picked it. Oh, but it was like, I think it was from Ken, because the original title of the episode was Marge and the Insanity Peppers. That's so much <laughs> so, easier to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I still, it took me 20 years, and I still can't pronounce it. Pronounce Quetzalcoatlanango. Quetzalcoatl, yeah. yeah. <laughs> insanity Peppers. Yeah. Um, what, about, what about the whole concept of... Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, I'm sure you all remember. If you're here, you all remember. As this clip goes on, uh, Homer uh, scales uh, an Aztec pyramid. He has a chat with Johnny Cash, and the guys of Coyote wakes up on a uh, golf course. Did any yeah. of those moments oh, come okay. from any personal stories? Yes, <laughs> I just told you. <laughs> I confessed to Alex uh, five minutes ago that, um, and I've never, I've, I've never said this publicly. Podcast um, exclusive right but, now. But right now, my kids are old enough to know that. Um, <laughs> The Homer waking up on the golf course was based on something that happened to me in my <laughs> in my in my very early twenties, and um, I had been out with my friends partying, and then I the next thing I know, I woke up in a go- on a golf golf course in a different state than the state besides sobriety, but a literally a different state than the one I last remembered, and I had to walk to a 7-Eleven and buy a map and find out where I was. And then, what an uh, old I was in, sentence. I was in Virginia, and I last remember being in Maryland. And so I walked back across the bridge to Maryland, and I ran into my friends who were driving across the bridge and go like, hey, what happened to you? And so like... And a dog said, find your soulmate, Josh. <laughs> yeah, that's... So that's like one of the, my few personal experiences that we put into the show. And now you know. But also, <laughs> one interesting thing is, that, is the coyote, the mystical coyote, Johnny Cash did such a good job. Yeah. And it's like, we originally wanted to do get Bob Dylan. And he, he, t- he said no. 
and I'm really glad we didn't get him because he'd be all mumbly. <laughs> and and yeah. Johnny Cash was so like he was awesome. Those yeah. reeds, those just like. Well, I am a coyote. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you don't even have a computer. <laughs> How did you pitch the story to Johnny Cash? <laughs> I don't. Somebody called him up and he said yes. That's like I don't. I don't even know. If did he, he have any story. awareness of the show or? You know what? I didn't because Bill went to direct him. That was actually the week I was getting married. So, <laughs> so I don't. You'd have. And to you ask had to Bill. make a choice: get married or, or meet Johnny, Johnny Cash. It's a hard choice. So I, it came to the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> this, uh, this, uh, this wasn't How's even my second. Shelly's the queen of transitions. Yes, and next. And scene. Uh, that was great. Thanks so much, guys, for just, like, taking that away. I mean, you know, like, I'm sure that there's clips here that are going to be about, like, life and not drugs, but... Well, life no, is drugs. I mean, you didn't see our <laughs> agenda, so... Yeah, that's true. I have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, as we show these clips, of course, everyone on the panel, please feel free to jump in, because we brought people that are just people that love the show and work on the show, so this is all good. We'll cut this <laughs> out, but just so you guys know, since we didn't prepare our guests for what's happening today. Um, <laughs> great. So, uh, thanks so much, Alex. Uh, we're going to move on to our next uh, guest. Chicken um, next. Chicken next. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I like The Simpsons. <laughs> we, 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 uh, I'll give you guys a peek behind the curtain of our process. We contemplated having uh, a soundboard that included, I know, that included, we didn't want to do the work at the end, that included <laughs> uh, chicken next, and then also, y'all ready for this? And uh, <laughs> so maybe next time, maybe next, next time. year we'll be like, Brandon, roll the clip, and it'll be like, y'all ready for this? I didn't do that. You know. <laughs> But then we would have missed that. Then and we would have missed. So <laughs> Listen, it's been my dream to be on a morning zoo crew. Uh, <laughs> there's still time, baby. Okay, I'd like to introduce our next guest. Um, I'm going to read from this so I don't botch it. Uh, I can't think of a bigger Simpsons fan than our dear friend Sam. Uh, you know him. so genuine. Who? I know. Uh, you know him from uh, Freaks and Geeks, a little film called Inglorious Bastards. Ooh. Heard of it? And a Ooh. litany of other really great things. Um, uh, including tonight, uh, he's doing the Kevin Pollock chat show here at LA Podfest at nine. So stick around for that. Right. Everyone, give it up for Sam Levine. Woo! Yeah. Woo. Oh, thank Woo. you. Woo. Woo. Thank you. Thank you, LA Podfest and Ali and Julia. Uh, so you know, this is kind of the, what we say with every single guest because we're good at picking cool guests, but they're even better at picking cool clips. And uh, each time that someone picks something, I'm just like, God, this is the, this is going to be the best thing ever. Well, it's it's like a peek into their brain, and and then it's also a reflection of what you think about when you're in traffic, what you think about when you're out in the world. Like it just it's you're speaking the same language, and it it's a bonding moment. It's also interesting because when we ask people, you know, what clip you want to do, they tell you the episode first, and then you think of a different clip, and then they give you a clip that's even funnier, and you're just like, how is this possible? There are so <laughs> many good clips in each episode. Uh, but this is one of those things. It's one of my favorite jokes of all time. Uh, I'm going to let the clip speak for itself, and then Sam will speak for that clip. Right. So with roll pleasure. me with that clip. Hit me with that clip, baby. <laughs> be the first of the month, new billboard day! <laughs> Find his keepers. This year, give her English muffins. Whatever you say, Mr. Billboard! 
Best in the West. <laughs> that rhymes. <laughs> Clown college. You can't eat that. Well, I got everything I was supposed to get. I'm not going to enroll in that clown college, though. That advertisement had no effect on me whatsoever. Hey, Homer, the section you're supposed to be monitoring is on fire. <laughs> Clowns are funny. Mom, I think I'll have some wine. Mark? Yes, homie? <laughs> That's it! You people have stood in my way long enough. I'm going to clown college. I don't think any of us expected him to say that. Yeah! <laughs> uh, so, my, my first question, Sam, is yep. did you give her English muffins? I always give her English muffins. Oh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Nor do I. Um, uh, so, why this clip? Okay, so you said, uh, you know, uh, show a clip that, that speaks to you emotionally, and... Um, so, Alex chose drugs. Alex chose drugs. And, <laughs> and you chose obviously clowns. Obviously, I chose clown college. Uh, no, I, I, I could not possibly come up with uh, just a single clip that spoke to me. That's what made this so difficult. But that, that's definitely one that is always in the forefront of my mind because that, it's like, it's like a minute and 50 seconds, is so jam-packed with jokes, it is ludicrous. It's insane. Uh, from the, uh, just the visual joke of there being a bucket of MSG <laughs> <laughs> on Homer's desk in addition to Best in the West barbecue sauce and English muffins. Um, <laughs> The fact that Homer leaves literally a trail of death <laughs> behind him as he drives because he's so easily distracted uh, to the throwaway <laughs> line of Marge, uh, I, think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna drink some wine. <laughs> Which we never really he hear Marge say stuff like that. And so it always jumped out at me. Uh, Homer with the tongue sticking ever so slightly out of his mouth as he's making the, the big tent. That's one of my favorite poses of Homer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so cute. <laughs> so good. And yeah. then, of course, the ultimate punchline, you people have stood in my way long enough. <laughs> I'm going to clown college. <laughs> I don't think any of us expected him to say that. That made me laugh so hard and continues to make me laugh as hard every single time I've seen it in the, oh, dear God, 20 years. <laughs> Nearly, maybe, that that, that, that ha has been an episode. Um, so that's, I mean, this clip just has everything. Yeah. I, sh I should briefly interject. That was my high school, I'm not making this up, that was my high school senior quote. They make you pick a quote for the yearbook. It was, you people have stood my way long enough, I'm going to clown college. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>
Alex, what is wrong? Why did you not bring that clip then, sir? I was, I was thinking about it. I actually texted Ali. She's like, Sam beat you to it. Ah. <laughs> that's true. That's, it, that's how good a clip this is. Yes. You nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. So, Sam, you have one of my favorite episodes of the podcast. You talked about the Radioactive Man movie uh-huh. episode. Yes. Um, and if you guys haven't listened to that, please listen to it. It's great. Because in that, you talk a lot about, you know, relating to Milhouse in that episode, mm-hmm. using that quote of like, like, but we got it. <laughs> it took <laughs> seven <laughs> hours, <laughs> but we did it. it. It's done, <laughs> which I think about all too often in, mm-hmm. my, uh, in my adult life. Yeah. Um, but I was wondering, uh, you know, with this clip, the Clown College clip, have you been in auditions or in professional settings where suddenly you start thinking about Clown College? <laughs> no, but I have been in settings where I'm sitting waiting for so long that I start daydreaming about napping. <laughs> And then, and then You're that, not alone. N- and then that nap dream is about me eating a sandwich. <laughs> God damn it! You're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Hollywood, kids. That's what Hollywood. That's is what Hollywood like. is. Get, come here, and you can dream about napping, and then eating, and then napping, and then napping. eating. Yeah. Uh, you, you briefly mentioned this, but our intern Brandon had a question for you, which is, how do you feel about Homer's death count in oh, this yeah. episode? I mean, it kind of changes. Homer is a character. Like, <laughs> he's, he's pretty lovable and wonderful and like a golden retriever and all these things. He's stupid, but he killed people in this episode. Right. It's kind of crazy. And the section he's supposed to be monitoring is on fire. <laughs> and yeah. several of his co-workers are on, in flames. Yeah. I guess it's just as a lesson that if you're charming enough, you get away with murder. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. you know what, Ellie? That is the takeaway yeah. from today. Now enter the streets. Everybody that Everyone down. bring that home with you. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think it's also a testament to the absent David Silverman's animation style to make a, a silliness and a warmth through all those horrific events. Right? Yeah, it's totally, both in the Chili Show and that sequence, whenever you see Homer or other characters, especially like loose and happy and fluid, that's a Silverman touch. And yeah. that's also like the sequence where when he's on the tricycle, that's also like, it's all like, that's so trademark. I, I, I missed the four-hour inquest about the fire in the nuclear plant because there would have been a, like a major investigation if anything went deeply wrong. Just cut it out. <laughs> that would have been it. That's for the Simpsons legal show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this, uh, both of you guys, you know, Alex and Sam, um, talked about this this clip and it's so great but I assumed when they said this that it was going to be I'm seeing double four crusties because that's probably yeah. one of the best jokes of all time yes, and uh, but yeah this one like it's kind of if you ever want to be a writer it just makes you sad because you're just like I could never make this many <laughs> jokes in my life let well, alone in two minutes well, <laughs> I love what this clip uh, does is it sort of establishes that Homer has had a long running tradition right. of the first of the month <laughs> is new billboard day and he, being his true homerness, is so obedient <laughs> to marketing. It's it's really great, and I love that kind of like we're expanding on Homer's personal history in that. And and you know what? Let's all celebrate first of the month Billboard Day from <laughs> here on out. I'll see you. We're gonna be giving away bags of MSG later. <laughs> and he immediately stops on his way to work <laughs> yes. to purchase these items as directed by the billboards. And, uh, and also, uh, the Best in the West billboard sign itself of the <laughs> cowboy pouring barbecue sauce. Licking his chops with excitement. <laughs> licking his chops on the rear end of a living bull. <laughs> Uh, the only billboard that has really stuck out lately for me is the very real uh, MacGyver 
reboot that they're doing. Oh yeah. And um, <laughs> if <laughs> have you guys oh, seen no, it? Oh no, we're blowing. You can't eat that. It looks. <laughs> it, <laughs> it looks. Ellie's like been carving MacGyver, MacGyver into her mashed potatoes. <laughs> But it looks like MacGruber, and it's so bad. Yeah. Um, but if you if you haven't listened to the episode where I admitted this sad fact, Alex was saying like so much of The Simpsons is like growing up and realizing that these things are references. Sometimes it's realizing that MacGyver's a real show. I thought that they <laughs> made it up for The Simpsons. <laughs> I had no clue. That's true. I was young enough that I didn't know what MacGyver was, but I'm like, there's some kind of joke. Old people like MacGyver. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what that word is, but it's a thing old people like. <laughs> yeah. I and assumed it was like nap time. Or I'll like even it. go one deeper with you. So in this clip, uh, there's a, um, there's of course the reference to Close, Close Encounters, Encounters, which I'm not a hundred percent sure if by the time I'd seen this episode when I was a kid, I knew that it was uh, ripping off Close Encounters, or I might have thought it was parodying UHF. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is that is that's a beautiful puzzle. That's an extra <laughs> level of nerdy. That's. That's a sandwich with many layers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love it. Well, thank you so much. Oh, um, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. Yeah. We're just going to keep doing this. Oh. Okay. Uh, so Excellent. our next guest, uh, you know from doing these amazing posters and our art, yeah. um, which you can, quick plug, you can purchase these just outside. It's true. <laughs> uh, just outside these doors, yeah. Please wait until after. Yeah, please. <laughs> Uh, but Luke is actually one of my oldest friends. Um, I used to be in a really, really, really shitty band where I played drums. And uh, Luke was nice enough to let me like open for his band, so I'm forever uh, grateful to you, Luke. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know him from his art, but also from his music. And this next clip involves one of uh, many people's favorite musicians. So let's roll that stinking clip. <laughs> Get ready for the man with the iron stomach. Hi, everybody. Is everybody good? School, your hero, Homer. Hey, Cannonball. I like your statement. When life takes a cheap shot at you, you stay on your ground. Billy Corgan, smashing pumpkins. Homer Simpson, smiling politely. You know, my kids think you're the greatest. And thanks to your gloomy music, they finally stopped dreaming of a future I can't possibly provide. Well, we try to make a difference. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, before I ask you about that clip, I have to say that Homer's, uh, you know, hello with nothing is kind of what I think everyone is afraid of when they go out on a microphone. <laughs> it's so relatable, and I'm so glad that you guys are louder than they were, so thank you. <laughs> uh, Luke, why this clip? Um, well, uh, I chose this clip mainly because of the um, Billy Corgan smashing pumpkins, Homer Simpson smiling politely, <laughs> which my dad references like at least once a week. Like, <laughs> oh. How does he, he wedge it in a conversation? He, he either just brings that up 
or any like kind of you know verb noun type it. situation. No, I'm curious. Yeah. Does he just be like, remember that clip? He, d- <laughs> he basically <laughs> is. Yeah. Dad, what am I gonna do yeah. to make you proud of me? Exactly. <laughs> he just write talks a joke about like that. that. A lot, yeah. yeah. Um, but then, uh, kind of, then when I thought, you know, I realized we had to kind of explain the clips, um, <laughs> and we can't just play our favorite Simpsons quotes. Um, on a technical level, I really like this episode because it, to me, uh, was one of the um, the few times like The Simpsons referenced like actual music and played like the band's actual songs uh, without it feeling like it was breaking the fourth wall. Like a lot of the time they do, you know, like I love when they, you know, get people to do the voices and like they incorporate real people. But like, you know, if Homer's career is mirroring the Beatles, they don't just throw in some Beatles songs or something. And this was one of the few times they like actually put, you know, Cypress Hill in there and, um, <laughs> and it didn't feel you know, not uh, not to criticize The Simpsons at all, but like Better it didn't not. feel way, yeah, it didn't feel wedged in, and it, it also to me kind of shows how on it because that was like peak Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. Because we we actually we picked we wanted to have a, a group that represented each type of music, but then we picked our personal favorite groups. Right. It was mostly like Mac, Mac Rainey, myself, and also Colin Lewis, who's one of the producers, and we were like, and especially like, like Sonic Youth we loved, and we are like, we've yeah, got to, yeah. Sonic Youth. So, but it was, <laughs> but it came from, it did come from like, we love these groups. So. Yeah, and, and I can, you can absolutely tell, but yeah, it just doesn't feel like it's breaking out of the Simpsons universe. Because to me, I always prefer like, any music in the Simpsons to be, you know, like monorail, or like, yeah. <laughs> Who needs the quickie mart? Like um, kicking it. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite fake musical. <laughs> um, and but yeah, it just shows like how on it because Smashing Pumpkins and Sonic Youth at the time, but also like it was the last time uh, Lollapalooza was relevant, really. <laughs> like. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> yeah. And um, so yeah, just uh, just a fan of that clip. So yeah, if you were <laughs> if if Homer were to interact with you as a musician, how do you think that would go? <laughs> Um, would shit, you just I'd be as? Would you be the Homer in it? And yeah, I'd be the be Homer. Looking up to Homer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'd yeah. ask him to sign your bowling ball, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would be the kid getting the bowling ball signed. Absolutely. That's beautiful. <laughs> and it, is this your favorite in terms of like the celebrity guests that have happened on it? Because that is something that is not done well on yeah. <laughs> any other show. Really. My absolute favorite celebrity guest from The Simpsons is uh, Elvis Costello when his hat and his glasses blow off, and he goes, "My identity." <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah we, uh, we once had that uh, that person who listened to our podcast who was saying like you could hear the glasses like on oh the yeah. other side of the podcast. What I was think the quote was sometimes when I'm listening to Simpsons Pod, I can hear Allie and Julia wearing glasses, <laughs> <laughs> and I still don't quite Aww. know what that means. <laughs> But I'm taking it as a compliment. Julia, <laughs> no. Oh, no! I mean, uh, they should die. Eventually, of natural causes. Um, <laughs> Josh, you worked on this episode, and you spoke a little bit about yeah, it. Yeah, that's also, there, in one draft of the script, it wasn't Billy Corgan smashing pumpkins. It was Courtney Love. He's like, hi, I'm Cor- Courtney Love. And I think it was like Homer... Homer like or something <laughs> that but we didn't like we did not get we did not get whole and in fact I believe that like Billy Corgan I don't remember this but said like he would not do the show if whole was in it 
Yeah, I, I, w I was told that actually by Mac Raining. Um, okay, so he it's went true. to the Simpsons art show last year, which was a year ago today, which is kind of oh funny. Yeah. Um, but I was wearing this shirt, which says Simpsonic Youth, and he freaked out about it. And uh, He sued you. He sued me. <laughs> <laughs> he sued me for wearing a shirt that he I didn't was even design. Really <laughs> nice about suing her, though, so yeah. that's something. Yes. Uh, but yeah, he told me that he loves Sonic Youth so much, and, um, you know, that, you know, the people that, he, that they wanted to have whole, but they're just like, if you have her, we're not doing it. And he's like, she's out. <laughs> like, immediately. Yeah. He was like, all right, it's done. She's dead to me. <laughs> yeah. That's the, the, cool. only, the, the other big anecdote behind it is we actually sent the writer Brent Forrester to Lollapalooza. And all of, and we, before that, like, this was an episode about, like, getting old and feeling not cool. And I was like, also, now that I'm 50, I've had those conversations with my kids where they, I'm so not cool Aww. to them. But we sent Brent Forrester to Lollapalooza thinking he was going to have, like, a really good time and he's going to be able to write about current rock groups, blah, blah, blah. And he had such a miserable time and all those things actually happened to him, like a guy calling him a narc. Because Brent, <laughs> that real, because Brent, Brent's like really clean cut. He's like a really friendly guy, and he, he used to being a dark. And that dude, karma, karma, all that stuff was actually happened to Brent. And so he came back from go like, I had such a shitty time. We're like, that's great. <laughs> Give us more. Feed us your yes. agony for comedy. <laughs> I I also really like episodes like this and um, the one where they spend the summer at the beach, where you see Bart like with teenagers or something. Because as a kid, you're like, man, Bart's so cool. And then you see him with like teenagers, and it's like he's just like this he's doughy little, little kid. Yeah, loser. you realize yeah. he's an annoying <laughs> little kid. This this show is also especially cool because I I've often noticed that there's a weird hole in the Simpsons. Uh, demographics between like 12 and 35. Like, that, yeah, that's like, exactly right. That's see a, a ton of that. We always felt that, yeah. And so it's cool to see those people slandered so mercilessly. <laughs> <laughs> little, little piece of trivia. If any of you guys want to see what Josh Weinstein looked like at around the time he passed out in a golf course, Google Josh Weinstein and Smashing Pumpkins, and you'll see a picture Okay. Of you with the Smashing Pumpkins at around that, is it that around the age, Yeah, that's right? about like 40 pounds ago. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they were, and they were really like, that was the cool thing too, is like they were really gung-ho, and like they're not trained actors, but they were really friendly, all those, and I have to say, Peter Frampton was the best guest star we had on our run, <laughs> because wow, he was why? so, he was so friendly, he's like, I'll do anything, I'm really happy to do it, <laughs> and he was such a, he was a really good actor, and was so nice afterwards, we, like Bill and I said, let's, we gotta, we gotta do a show with him, and have yeah. him be like the star, which we didn't pursue, but uh, he was like, he was the best of all the guest stars. So you heard it here first. Mick Jagger sucks! <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Everyone kind of sucks sometimes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yes, kill yeah. people, it's fine, yeah, and okay. everybody sucks. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, so uh, now we're going to move over to someone who was not able to make it today, which is too bad, but uh, we are going to watch his clip, and he recorded a little thing for us. Uh, he'll explain, I think, in the recording why he didn't make it, but... Let's watch David Silverman's clip. <laughs> David, is that you? Look at that pig stuffing his face with donuts on my time. That's right. Keep eating. Little do you know you're drawing ever closer to the poison donut. <laughs> there is a poisoned one, isn't there, Smithers? Uh... No, sir. I discussed this with our lawyers. They consider it murder. Damn their oily hides! <laughs> Bring him to me! Relax, Simpson. I just brought you in here for a friendly hello. And 
fired! But wait, perhaps I'm being too hasty. You are highly skilled. At goofing off! Now don't worry, Homer. You're the kind of guy I could really dig. A grave for Your indolence is inefficacious. That means you're terrible! I think he's dead. Oh, dear. Send a ham to his widow. Mmm, ham. No, wait. He's alive. Oh, good. Cancel the ham. No! Wow, look at that. How did I know to cross there? I'm telling you, it's not going to work. See? He was taking a bite and his jaw locked. Hey, look, I can fit my entire fist in here. What's that, Chief? Well, hello, everybody. This is David Silverman speaking to you from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, at a, an event that I'm doing with the band Vaud and the Villains. I had mistakenly thought that I would be back in time uh, on Sunday, uh, so I have to issue an official don't. Uh, and I do apologize for my mistake, but never the dog bone less will soldier on, and I'll talk a little bit about uh, Homer's Triple Bypass, and uh, I really enjoyed making this uh, episode. I felt very pleased to be chosen to direct it. It was an interesting challenge at the time. Um, nobody had done a funny heart attack uh, quite like this, actually, though I would say Brad Bird did the first funny, crusty heart attack, and so when I was <laughs> handed this script to do a funny Homer heart attack, I took somewhat uh, a different approach to it, and uh, I had a great time with it and everything else about the episode. And actually, uh, uh, since the, you probably, I assume you, while I'm saying this, you've seen the clip, um, I want to talk about this part just beforehand where Mr. Burns spies Homer eating donuts uh, with great happiness. And uh, it was a fun scene to, to uh, lay out. I like Mr. Burns in the foreground uh, um, talking evilly about Homer and then you turn and reveal uh, Mr. Smithers in the background, way in the distance. Uh, it was a nice uh, uh, scene to do where you can have great sort of spatial distance, where Burns is in the front, dominating the scene, and, and uh, Smithers is in the background, small and uh, innocent, but just saying the truth uh, to Mr. Burns and uh, uh, just making him angrier. Uh, so that was a lot of fun to set up. And then, of course, for Homer's uh, a heart attack in itself, I wanted to have um, a very big, vast scene to show uh, Homer being confronted by Mr. Burns and looking insignificant in the big opening wide shot. Uh, by the way, at this uh, point in the, in the show, we didn't really have the budget to have shadows all the time, so we'd use them uh, judiciously, and this was a, a way to uh, add to the drama and the emphasis by having it, this as a, a shadowed scene. Um, so that was a, it was a conscious choice to do it that way. And uh, I think it helped the effect and helped in making Homer feel uh, put upon by Mr. Burns. Uh, 
And then, of course, are the funny, funny drawings, hopefully the funny drawings, of Homer. And uh, one of the techniques I used in that was the way Homer's hands are positioned. A great sort of tension and sort of the fingers are sort of splayed out or sort of uh, in sort of interesting uh, uh, gnarled up uh, poses. Um, so actually I had a lot of fun with that and it was a lot of, a lot of trial and error of finding what is the best uh, peculiar hand pose to have for Homer as well as his face gritting his teeth and, and so on. Uh, and this is on the preliminary stuff where Homer is sort of about to have a heart attack and then is mollified and is about to have the heart attack and is mollified and so on. And then comes, of course, the great big heart attack scene. So this was, uh, again, doing different poses and what's the funniest, weird extreme I could do. And um, this is one of those scenes that I recommend that you uh, may want to investigate and look at frame by frame and look at some of the extreme poses that I did in it. That you probably don't really see, but you certainly sort of feel the impact. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, there was the final pose that he holds when he's having his hilarious heart attack. Um, and then when he has a heart attack, we have the, in the screen, different images flash by, including, well, all the other uh, uh, hearts in the cards. We have the clubs and the spades and diamonds and, of course, the hearts. Um, and then when he falls over, it's essentially the same drawing, more or less retraced as he falls back uh, onto the floor. And then, uh, but the, the shadow is there to basically help sort of outline the contour of him as he falls out, in, out of the uh, light and into the shadow. Um, the other thing was interesting to mention uh, is that when his spirit floats out of the body, I was made careful that there's always a little toe still in the body because, of course, he doesn't die. So, uh, so he, his spirit never completely leaves the body. Um, one more thing I can add is that uh, the scene in the, um, the, uh, in the emergency ward, originally after um, Sideshow Mouse says, I'm telling you it's not going to work, and you have the explosion, and he says, see, uh, we then cut originally to Krusty saying, you know who I really feel sorry for? Sideshow Fred. He's on Mel's shoulder. And something like that. I forget the name of the, the, the other sideshow. But uh, that line was cut, but I thought it was pretty funny. Um, let's see, what else can I add? Um, any questions? Oh, I can't answer them because this is recorded voice of me. So with that, I will say ta-ta for now, and I have a great broad uh, broadcast, podcast. This is the 21st century, you know. Give it up for that weird photo of David Silverman. <laughs> uh, thank you, Brandon, for putting all of the images in the background. Let's hear it for our intern, yeah, Brandon, please. Works hard. If I may, that that that's, uh, same episode has also one of my all-time favorite lines where we first meet Dr. Nick Riviera. Dr. Nick Riviera, report to the coroner's office. Oh, the coroner. I'm so sick of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Nick, where are the bodies? Ah, you know, it's such a lovely day. I think I'll go out the window. <laughs> <laughs>
so unless anyone on the panel has anything to say about that clip, uh, we'll go to our next guest. Um, so it's kind of crazy, you know, um, The Simpsons is the only show where you could have a clip that is from like seven years ago and be like, oh yeah, new Simpsons, uh, which is insane. And uh, through this podcast, we have become much, much bigger fans of later stuff, or the newer stuff, which is so great. And this next guest is uh, going to show us a clip that is already seven years old, which is so crazy to me because I didn't see it until last year, but I love it. And it introduces a new element to Homer and Marge uh, in a way that I'm very excited to talk about. So, Brandon, roll that clip. hour work week, but I took a power nap while I was driving us here, and now I'm raring to go. Well, I brought a few items to make our night extra special. Massage oil, some lingerie from the horny hubby, and snuggle dice. This one has an action, and this one has a body part, see? Nuzzle, neck, with pleasure. <laughs> Let me try. <laughs> Lick eyes. Uh, I'll try again. <laughs> Spank hair. What the? <laughs> Whisper into ass. Oh, this game sucks. Why don't you just roll me? We're gonna be star in the morning. Damn it! Why won't you touch me? <laughs> okay, kiss me, baby. Kiss me like a frog in a fairy tale. Okay, baby. <laughs> Great news, Homer. I've been invited to the annual nuclear power expo in Paris, France. That's right. We're going to Fission Week. I need you to book me a room at the Ritz with a view of Jim Morrison's grave and book me dinner at that place. You know the one. The one Lenny's mom read about two years ago. comes from Simpsons writer Tim Long. Give it up for Tim Long. That clip, it touches upon one of my favorite kinds of Marges. What Marge is that, Julia? Horny Marge. Marge deserves to be horny. Horny Marge. I've always had this political stance. It is true, though, and we have talked about this on the podcast and off podcast and really every time that we greet each other. Horny Marge is honestly a liberated Marge that inspires women everywhere. <laughs> she may be a housewife, but she's also a full, like, hot-blooded woman. She's not afraid to ask for what she wants and not afraid to get it. And I love that. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we're voting for Hillary anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yikes. Tim, why did you choose this well, clip? I, you, you, you <laughs> because I, too, love Horny Marge. Um, <laughs> and it sort of touches on this interesting aspect of The Simpsons, which is, why the fuck does she stay with this guy? Right. <laughs> and then, and the question, the answer that often comes up, and actually Julie Kavner, the actor who plays Marge, has always said, is because Homer brings the thunder. Mm. <laughs> Homer's got a big dick. Is the Most answer the to time. that question? <laughs> you heard it here first. I thought there might be kids in here, but Wait, you know, Bart's dad. Bart's dad. Not anymore. <laughs> but there, there's always been. The, she has always uh, resisted that sitcom trope of like, not now, honey. I've got a headache. 
which is the lamest thing in the world. So she has always wanted Marge to be lusty and be like after Homer, even at times like this where Homer is not particularly ready to go. <laughs> um, and so, and I was also, and there's so many moments like this where, or there's a great episode called Natural Born Kissers mm -hmm. written by Matt Selman Woo. about the intimate life of Marge and Homer, which as we said, it may be the only thing keeping them together mm -hmm. because he's done so much. I mean, he married another woman. <laughs> <laughs> he he showed up. I mean, he 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 killed people in that clip we saw earlier. Plus, <laughs> plus he he showed up at a town meeting one time wearing a dynamite vest because he was angry about changing his zip code. <laughs> He's not an ideal husband. And also, he framed her for drunk driving once. So, and, and I'm it, sure it there's a message board that's keeping track of all this, yeah. especially the body count. And so the I mean, she would be just immensely justified in giving him the heave ho. But they just have one of those great marriages that like bends but doesn't break. Yes. Yeah, we always love that they love each other. It's like that. It sounds corny, but it really it's it's great because it's so like you say it's so anti sitcommy. Mm -hmm. And it is the backbone of the show. I mean, we talk about it every time. You know, obviously we want all the jokes, but the fact that you could have jokes within a otherwise kind of questionable marriage, I think, is a great lesson too. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it can't go great all the time. Unless you know there, you have something keeping it together. Yeah, there needs to be a strong foundation. And and going back to the heart, there has to be a heart moment. I feel like in almost every episode to sort of ground it, so that all the other hijinks of Homer going into space or Homer, you know, doing weird things or Bart doing weird things, like you can go to those like out there places just as long as you ground it back, put the genie back in the bottle, reset every week. And that was my phone. And um, <laughs> so sorry. It's the genie getting out of the bottle. Oh no! <laughs> um, but but to have that be at the core of the show, I think, is why the show has endured and um, why it has endured, particularly with fans over multiple generations. Yeah, and something too is that like Homer's funny and great, but I don't think we would really care what he was doing if he didn't have a wife and kids. We'd be like, yeah, single dude does what he wants. Cool show. <laughs> but like, two guys in the back are like, fuck this. Yeah, hey. <laughs> But no, having having Marge there and having her uh, as this horny lady, I think is cool. Like it sounds like a joke, but it really is important, uh, including in Natural Born Kissers. Like just having her not be this, you know, stereotypical like yeah, like you said, not now. I think is huge. And I love that not only is she horny, but she's like crafty about it. Like she brought mm -hmm. toys, uh, even if they may not have worked. Yeah. Tim, I, Tim, I want to transition by asking you a personal question, if you don't Absolutely. mind. Absolutely. Um, That's why I'm here. <laughs> What is, uh, what is the weirdest thing you've whispered into an ass? <laughs> I assume this was based on your personal experience. I said, you don't have to so many bad decisions have led to this moment. <laughs> 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 it's not just one. When you're whispering into an ass, you have a whole decision tree. I, I imagine it was a whisper soliloquy. That, that moment, yes. <laughs> That uh, sounds about right. If anyone else would like to share what they whispered into an ass, they could be in the audience or on stage. Talk to us after the show. Please. You can do tweet at us, hashtag whispered ass. Speaking of the intimacy between Marge and Homer, because it's all we ever think about, um, there is this weird rule on the show that, like, Homer can kill people, but the two of them have never actually full on cheated on each other. And. Or have Somebody. Except in a dream. Oh, you. Are we talking about. Are we talking Lena about Dunham? emotional affairs? Emotional affairs. Emotional affairs. Oh, we have those all the time. <laughs> it's those true. are called it's true. work husbands and work wives. <laughs> that, that, it's true. You could say, you know, Marge and Moe, 
did have almost have Shubaduba in Aruba. <laughs> Let's not forget Jacques. But absolutely. Oh, or, right. or, or Mindy. Mindy. These two are just are always just coming so close. Yeah. And it's frustrating in a way because you sort of <laughs> I remember as a kid being like, Mindy, it's it's Michelle Pfeiffer. Come on. I know. But it's really good for the long term health of the series that it didn't actually happen. But at the end of the one where he doesn't bang Mindy, <laughs> completely unmotivated. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of like, it's kind of a dick move it just move. does like a flip and he's with Marge like <laughs> I don't know how I would feel if I was Marge and found out that I was at the same hotel and wearing the same dress somehow <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, there, there's, there's certain details that were overlooked for the sake of 22 minutes on uh, Fox still makes me 90s. cry <laughs> yeah and plus there's so I mean Lurley Lumpkin what a fox I mean uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know what? It's so sad, actually, to see the, like, we see Lurlene after the fact. Things didn't turn out so hot for her. It did, things <laughs> didn't turn, I wanted her to win. Why, why isn't she Dolly Parton? Why isn't she headlining the bowl this weekend? That's what I think. That's the episode I'll write for The Simpsons. I'll bring okay. her back. <laughs> Can I co-write it with you? <laughs> Matt, please right say now. yes. <laughs> Thank you. There was two thumbs up. That's legally binding. And then, Tim, do you have any other notes on uh, this episode, just in terms of uh, what went into writing it or your experience? Oh, well, I d one of the thing reasons I'm sort of fond of this episode is, besides the fact that it's not one of the, the – it's a deep cut, as they say, is that we wrote it right after the writer's strike, um, oh. which at first we were like, oh, the writer's strike, this is great. But then it's like, I miss my TV family. <laughs> so I just remember thinking, oh, the gang's all back, and we're going to start doing crazy stuff again. So that was nice. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm going to read this next intro as well. All right. I'm a consummate professional. Okay. The Simpsons is constantly finding new ways to push boundaries with their characters, their messages, and their appearances. We all remember when The Simpsons went 3D. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quiet approval. I thought people would clap, but that's okay. My instincts are all over the place. Uh, so now we're going to look at them in a whole new dimension. Hit me with that clip! to go to church. I'm too busy going crazy. Come on, homie. When I'm troubled, I always find solace in the airtight logic of religion. Before the world began, there was only table. Then the great constructor scissored open bag one and dumped out the universe. <laughs> then came the time of the great sorting, color to color, shape to shape, and a pile of just windows and doors. <laughs> and everything was made of eternal, unchanging acrylonitrilbutadene styrene, or in the common tongue, plastic. But Reverend, what if everything isn't made of plastic? I think there's more to this world. You mean like decals? Well, the Orthodox don't use them, but we're a reform congregation. <laughs> no, I mean a place where nothing snaps together and you just can't toss your kids in a dishwasher to clean them. <laughs> oh, Homer, a place like that could only exist in some kind of magic rock song. Look around. We live in a perfect world where everything fits together and no one gets hurt. Yeah, Mustache is right. But I'm having all these hallucinations. <laughs> like right now, my hands look like they're these weird wiggly things. I think they have a name, but I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> Don't look, boys. Wait, you guys see them too? He's a freak! Take him apart and lose the pieces under the couch! Well, I don't find him disgusting. Oh, 
Boy, that's mushy. Come on, March. We need real answers, and there's only one place we can get them. Let's see. Fingers. Come on. Show me something about fingers. Huh. Bad news, people. Our religion is not true. <laughs> sorry about that. Really sorry. Uh, so to talk about that great clip is Matt Selman. Thank you so much, Matt. Executive producer on The Simpsons. Hi, guys. Thanks, thanks for clapping for that modern-day classic. <laughs> um, well, you could, you know, it's fun to, like, find a new area after 9,000 years of working <laughs> on the show. And, like, I mean, you, if, if I were to boringly go through frame by frame with this, a la Silverman, I could show you all the ways we kind of... <laughs> no, I mean, his wasn't boring. But, like, you know, to go banana... We went, kind of went bananas. In addition to, like, trying to tell a sort of philosophical story about what is reality and... Is it better to live in an unchanging world or one that does change? Which, of course, they're also, they're, the real world doesn't change for them, but you should forget that. Um, <laughs> just paper that over. But um, I should point out some nerdy stuff just to you know, ex exemplify how much fun we have just going berserk with the details. Like the, the god in, in the Lego church is like one of those uh, peace separators. <laughs> the, the, the hymns are like Lego brick sizes. There's a wooden duck. Um, stained glass thing on the back window, which is the original Lego company was like made wooden toy dolls and their first toy was like a wooden duck. And so to like, to go with, to take the world of Lego and kind of get into like what, what would the religion of it be? And you know, Homer is, you know, one of those kind of caught between two worlds kind of, kind of shows there. And uh, I don't I just like sort of having fun with Lego and religion and any scene that ends with a reverend just kind of having to realize that <laughs> their religion is not true. <laughs> just kind of telling everyone. <laughs> it's a good scene, in my opinion. And you know, you, like, you could see like almost, we tried to like do Lego references in almost every line of dialogue. It's just so Lego-y. <laughs> so uh, this is obviously a very un unconventional episode of The Simpsons. Did you find that the writing or the production process was more difficult than a normal Simpsons episode because of that? Well, yeah, because we had to partner with our beloved partners of Lego. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, like, they were, like, we didn't want this episode to seem like an ad for Lego, but yet we wanted it to be about Lego without, we didn't want to say it was Blocko or, or uh, what are those other shitty bricks that no one likes? <laughs> we don't need them. That's Me how mega much blocks, we care. Mega blocks. <laughs> Threatened to do a whole Mega Block episode. <laughs> <laughs> They get the bad brands like Smurfs and stuff instead you of just do a whole of the Avengers. about Zunes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and we also, you know, we got to get all this extra money for the CGI, which I think looked pretty good, you yeah, know. And, uh, and then also we had the Lego movie came out like six weeks before this. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched the Lego movie and we're like, oh, it's only like 60% similar. <laughs> <laughs> That's not so bad. We can live with that. That's still a solid D. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, the, the other stuff in the episode that we also, that it's sort of a Philip K. Dick, like what is reality, what's real, kind of mind, mind bender type of plot. And so we jammed the episode with Philip K. Dick Lego puns, <laughs> which are excruciatingly hard to write and not that funny to laugh at. But <laughs> again, it's, it's like, I mean, obviously you can see that the animation has changed over the years and it looks a little different now than it used to look in the, the glory days. But like one of the advantages of magic computers is you can kind of really jam in 
background, you whisper into the ass of, <laughs> of these computers and tell them <laughs> to like put in to a new all verb. these fantastic little little background details in shows, and like no one will even see them, and you don't even have to get permission for them. <laughs> and then like no one like, can I? I can give an example from another show. Uh, let's see. Marge came home like again, excited about something and ready for love. And Homer said, but, you know, but it's not even snuggle night. And, he, and then in the background, there was a little, we didn't put this in the script because I didn't want Fox to know about it, but there's a little, Homer's little snuggle schedule on the wall. And like Aww. Wednesdays and Saturdays have a heart. And Tuesdays and Fridays have a little hand with a slash through it. <laughs> <laughs> just to like, so just so he's ready to go, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, the, di the digital realm ain't, ain't all bad. Yeah, one of the one of the things that um, for me it would be like four days of slashes in a row. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms of like the Philip K. Dick stuff and like all the references that go on, um, that I think is so cool about The Simpsons and unlike a lot of other shows is that there's no pandering ever. Um, I feel like The Simpsons writers, and obviously I don't know for sure, but I feel like everyone's just writing stuff that they personally think is funny, and that's why you get the best jokes. It's you write you write for yourselves. That's, and especially like in the early days before the internet was so widespread, it's like we didn't know what people were really thinking. We're just like, we have, we have to laugh. We see these episodes 20 times before they air. So it really is, it's a lot of like writing for yourself and hoping other people like it. And you don't cut back on any sort of like highbrow intellectual jokes. I mean, you have Spalding Gray references <laughs> in the show. You mixed in with man get hit with football or whatever. <laughs> like it's that... That's the something I'm going to talk about with my clip because that's oh. the, the, the secret magic of The Simpsons has to do with that. I agree. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Ignore the easy segue. Ignore it. Ignore it. <laughs> Just keep talking. Uh, well, thank you so much. Unless you have anything else that you'd like to add on that clip, no. let's hear from Matt. Thank you. Woo, give it up. Uh, so it seems like everyone has some uh, trouble picking their clip just because there are so many amazing clips you could have picked. That's kind of the challenge of our podcast in general. You have to pick your favorite episode. Uh, Josh, you actually asked Twitter. So some of you guys might have actually helped choose this next clip that we're about to see. This is what won on the Twitter poll. So let's get that final clip. Hit me with that clip! That would have been a great... Uh, single's life is great, Homer. I can do whatever I want. Today I drank a beer in the bathroom. It went down the hall. Yeah, and another great thing, you get your own bed. Uh, I sleep in a racing car, do you? I sleep in a big bed with my wife. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey there, Kirk. Oh boy, what's going on? Patio party? Nah, possum drowned in the pool. You have any garbage bags? Ah, uh, just throw it over the fence. Let Arby's worry about it. That's Jerry. He's a major player down at the sewing store. Well, thanks for introducing me. Oh, don't worry, Homer. You know me, and I'm a superstar at the Cracker Factory. You're letting me go? Kirk, crackers are a family food. Happy families. Maybe single people eat crackers. We don't know. Frankly, we don't want to know. <laughs> it's a market we can do without. So that's it. After 20 years, so long. Good luck. I don't recall saying good luck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we almost 
almost broke Sam Levine with that one. <laughs> it's one I, knew, I knew every other joke in that clip except that one. <laughs> <laughs> it sneaks up on you. I forgot about and that. it's all about the pacing, too. It's yeah. so good. Uh, so, of course, we are talking uh, about this clip with Josh Weinstein, who you know and love. Let's give yeah. it up for Josh. Yeah. The Simpsons, Gravity Falls. So, okay, so for, to, to put this aside, because <laughs> I chose this clip because it, I love it. It just makes me laugh. It's not, we did, the origin of this episode is we wanted to do a real episode about divorce. And we were just talking, Tim was talking about not being like sitcoms, and a typical episode of any sitcom is like, the main couple has trouble, and oh no, they split up, and in the end they get back together again, it's crappy. And you know <laughs> that. And so our idea behind this was like, we really, we want to choose a couple and actually have them get divorced. Also because there's so many kids who grew up with divorced parents, it's a real thing, and they don't always get back together, often they don't. And so we wanted to be really realistic, and so that's why we chose the Van Houtens, because it seemed like there had been trouble a brewing in their relationship. When you marry someone who looks exactly like you. <laughs> when, you when you marry your, your cousin. It's yeah, when you see the same that's eyebrows in the mirror that you do in the eyes of your wife, yeah. there's something. That was a weird design thing that someone pointed out late in the process of like, wait a minute, they kind of look exactly like <laughs> but, um, but so like, that's like, that's, and that's the sort of emotional thing behind it, because he wanted to handle it real, real realistically. Um, but I just chose that clip because I love it and it has more lines that we quoted while we were making a show and for 20 years, 25 years since, has more lines that we would just always say to ourselves like, I don't, if something happened, it was bad, we'd always go, well, I don't, I don't recall saying good luck. <laughs> and just everything, almost every line, like I sleep in a big bed with my wife, all these <laughs> things like we would just say to each other all the time, throw it over the fence, let Arby's worry about it. <laughs> and this is like, I, I was saying about like the magic of the Simpsons and one of the things to point out, like in that scene, there are very few actual jokes. They're just lines that sort of get things just right. It's like, they're so perfect that they make you laugh. And one of the things about the Simpsons that's so great, and coming up after that is the scene where, where, where Bart meets Pyro the, the guy, and he, he says, like, hit me, and then Bart goes home and hits home over the head of a chair, which is one of my favorite things, and that's a guy getting hit in the head. And so the point is, The Simpsons has 20 different types of humor happening in every episode, and then in a way, that's what I think, like, makes it so great. It's not just because people are always like, what's the tone, blah, blah, it's just purely funny, and anything that's funny, as long as you have that emotional engine driving it, it, it goes, and that's, I think that's why The Simpsons is so great. Why do you and guys, you know, oh, and I'll applaud that. Why do you guys hate Arby's so much? Oh my God, I think that we were the original Arby's haters. I agree, I, I, I John like the Daily Show thunder. gets all this credit for yeah. knocking Arby's, yeah, we but were, we you were, guys are OGs when it comes yeah. to hating Arby's. Yeah, and it's also, I want to, one of the things, another brand of humor that The Simpsons is so good at is the humor of the pathetic. And that's also why we loved Kirk Van Houten is because there's no one more pathetic. You love him, but it's like all that, that whole scene in his apartment is it's partly based on the Oakwood apartments where a number when you, at least when you yeah. first moved to LA, like a number of us <laughs> lived in there. And like, if you that, see that set of furniture, that's, so, that's exactly the type of furniture everybody had in their <laughs> first apartment. And there's little touches too, like sound on The Simpsons is really important. Like when they're first talking, when the Kirk and Homer are talking, you hear a bus driving by and it just adds that right touch of like sort of like a sad apartment <laughs> right by a major thoroughfare but like oh, there's just like all those touches that we just we just sort of loved and was so perfect 
Yeah. I was going to say that the Oakwood Apartments is become so well known for being a pathetic place for like people coming in for auditions or uh, like sad single dads that they've actually rebranded it. It's like the Toluca Woods estates or something. <laughs> like oh so many people started to know about the Oakwoods being terrible. <laughs> that they had to Race car terrorists. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, so, Josh, you actually brought the oh, script yeah. with you. This I found in my garage is the writer's first draft of A Millhouse Divided. And I hadn't looked at this in since we rewrote it. Wow. And there, there are some scenes that I was like, oh, man, I can't believe we cut these. But we had to for time. And in this, this scene, I found one scene that um, is the origin, is Kirk's origin story at the Cracker Factory. <laughs> and what, so it's, it's one page long. You want to, Alex, you want to act it out? Read yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's do it. Also, Josh, you're going to need a police escort out of here so that the nerds <laughs> yeah. don't mob you. All right. Tear this has been in his garage. This has been in my garage oh. literally for, for 20, 25 years. I just found it last week. This scene hasn't been read since then. It's like, and you, maybe you'll see, see why we rewrote it or cut it, but um, <laughs> it's, it's between, it's the awesome scene at the dinner party between Kirk and Luann just after Dignity came up, and it's where the argument is, um, is really going astray, which also I also want to say it's a partly based on Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, the great, the great play and movie where it's just like you just watch this couple self-destruct. And so anyway, so this is, we had to cut why, what Kirk's history is at the Cracker Factory. Here it is. Um, I'll read Kirk. You want to do Luann? <laughs> and you want to you be Luann? Oh, yeah. I'm Luann <laughs> now, baby. <laughs> okay. Okay, so... Okay, this is, we'll start here right after. Well, no wonder I can't draw dignity. I gave it up when I married her. Oh, then Marge goes, now, Kirk, it's only a game. Uh, a game he's losing. What but what do you expect from a... A what? A what? There's something you can't say in front of G God Boy and Dr. Snooty here? <laughs> That's Hibbert and, Hibbert and Lovejoy. <laughs> maybe, maybe, we, maybe we should all have a few drinks. Say it. A loser. All because I bankrupted your father's cracker factory and destroyed his life's work. <laughs> yes, you see, Daddy had invented the first peanut butter cracker, but Kirk said the peanut butter and the cracker would react. It'll cause fires, you said. <laughs> Thousands could die before they work the kinks out. Well, the only one dead is my father! She burst into <laughs> tears. Well, I was right, wasn't I? The factory burned, didn't it? You set that fire to hide the losses on your own failed project. The cracker with a pocket of salt on the inside. <laughs> I still say people want a cracker with a mouthful of salt in every crunch. And what, ab and what about your answer to goldfish crackers? Who eats your trout thins now? <laughs> <laughs> then then Marge says, Lisa, why don't you come in and sing for us? And Lisa goes, it's a grand old flag. And <laughs> back anyway. And scene. And scene. Good job. What just job. happened? That, so that's the first time... That's the first time this scene has ever been performed. That's amazing. Written by crackers for crackers, about crackers. Yes. <laughs> so written by Steve Tompkins, by the way, who I want to give credit to. He, this is the only episode he's credited with, but he was a brain behind so many great jokes, including like the gay steel mill, all that. It's like, he's, like, he's one of the, the uncredited guys who deserves a lot more credit. Oh, but anyway, awesome. so you also see like 
the, the trouble when you get a great first draft is you, you can't do everything, and some things go by the wayside. And you probably didn't think that in like 25 years you'd be performing it <laughs> at PodFest. Po what is a podcast? <laughs> and you're going to be doing it every year for the next 25 years, baby! <laughs> See you next September! Uh, so now we're actually going to open the floor up to people in the audience. And uh, if you have questions for everyone on the panel or one person in particular, raise your hand. Do we have a mic in the crowd? Or you could just run up here a or wherever. Mic. Shout it and then we'll repeat it. it. I had a question. The, um, in the church scene with the Legos, the stuff written on the Bible, was it, was it Latin? That was gibberish. It was gibberish. Okay. <laughs> you Some know, Latin. like everything in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. script from Matt Selman. I feel yeah, like sick burn. Sometimes I feel <laughs> like organized religion hey. got you so good. Sometimes you feel like a Schindler, creative person's like, an atheist. Like uh, who was that Schindler from Schindler's List? Rudolph Schindler. <laughs> that like Oscar, Oscar, Oscar Schindler, whatever. Like, you could have done more. It was the Christmas <laughs> Schindler's List. You could have done more. Like I could you, there you, you, you see like a <laughs> Schindler a, holiday Christmas. Could have done you, you, you know just, everything could have been funnier. Or That's what they said to Spielberg when he's making. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, there is another big Kirk Van Houten episode coming up with more backstory. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to see it. There's a lot of Gudger College. Gudger College, which I assume, Josh, that was your invention, right? That, that was Steve Tompkins. Oh, wow. It was a Gudger big flashback at Gudger. We learned what their mascot was. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Spoiler alert. It was a night. And uh, um, we, we kind of we, we add a, a sort of douchey layer to modern, sad, lonely Kirk. He finally released his follow-up album to Can I Borrow a Feeling? <laughs> no, I mean, oh, well, that's an interesting thing. In this first draft, I just saw this before we, before we went on. We didn't have Can I Borrow a Feeling, but he had a, he had a group called the Kirky Bunch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a, that's a good point, Sam. Like, sometimes, like, you know, the, the new gang of Simpsons goofballs, like, it, it, I'm sort of hesitant to touch the, the old gold from the past, you know, like, well, us too. I don't want to do a callback to, like, too. Bar a big or a hard callback to like, can I borrow a feeling? Is just in, an invitation to internet wrath, of which there is no shortage. Well. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like try to like just you know refresh, <laughs> refresh and reinvent. This is yeah, but way I to love do that. It. I love exploring deeper into characters. So I think it's good. Oh, I know that's I, good. I, I, I like poking internet wrath. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would hope that if we ever go into Kirk's car, we will see Starla's wig. Oh, oh my yeah. God, <laughs> Starla! Again, the the name Starla, and yeah. she's an internet Kzug. There's no, it's no joke. It's just. I perfect. know. Or I really want to write that Mary Tyler Moore spinoff. I want to write it with Starla, Starla at the helm. Kzug. I want her to like and have this whole separate story about like taking his tapes and like claiming credit for it, and he's a big star in like I don't know Finland. I, I just I'm sure there is a star. One of the things yeah. I love about Can I Borrow a Fe Feeling is that it's not a parody of anything like it's some the, the jokes I like are the ones where you can't quite tell how you guys got there like I don't that, see the breadcrumbs on that that, song. that was written in about 15 minutes in a room that was it was just like people, it was just like a big group I like that you rhymed love with love yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's well like the prompt is what's pathetic you've got 15 minutes come up with something timeless go and it's like, let's write a really bad song. We did, you know, that's the easiest <laughs> thing in the world. You don't even have to rhyme. And so, but I remember like that was so, it was bad. also just so quick because we love, we love the idea of it. So it just came out like that. Do we have any other questions? Yeah.
What's the process of doing that? Like taking it from where it came from Tracy Omicho to where it is today? Ooh, that's a big question. Uh, that, I'll, I mean, I'll, I guess I'm the oldest guy here, <laughs> so start, so old that um, it 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 evolved. It really evolved, and you can watch it. Like I was a huge fan of a show till season three when we we're on it, and you can just watch it evolve. And a lot of us hold seasons three and four to be like the ultimate seasons of television. And that's where The Simpsons, it, it just sort of hit its stride, both comedy-wise, but also like one of the initial rules from Sam and Matt and Jim was that the emotions are always real. They're an animated family, but the emotions are always real. The family always loves each other. And that's like such a great engine. And I think that hit its stride in those seasons too. And it j then it just sort of evolved where we always wanted to honor that. But like, for example, like during Bill and my years, we wanted to start exploring side characters because there's so many characters like Flanders that evolved, like what's his backstory? And now we're finally getting to like Kirk this year. So it's like that, you just sort of, and as, as a writer and showrunner, you, you also get, you get bored and impatient. And it's just like the Lego episode. It's like, let's try something new, what can we do? And so I think that's kind of how it evolved. Yeah, Matt and Tim, can you speak to that at all about, I mean, you talked about having legacy, like, you know, keeping this, the show what it was, but trying new things, and that was just in season three, just because seasons one and two were so amazing, uh, but you guys have to deal with so, so much Simpsons background. Yeah, there's definitely an anxiety of like, oh my God, all we can do is deface this wonderful thing. <laughs> 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 but at the same time, yeah, like, we love the episodes that Josh and Bill did, and we love the episodes before that and after, but like... And so what you want to do is just expand things. Like Chalmers at one point was just a guy who went, Skinner. But then we learned he was <laughs> obsessed with Teddy Roosevelt and had strong, <laughs> strong views about modern education. And he sort of took Bart under his wing and all this stuff happened. And the next thing you know, the guy with the catchphrase, you feel kind of bad for him. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and so just to build the world is so exciting. And, you know, but, you know, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. So that's that I think that's how everybody felt because we felt the same way. It's like, oh my God, these are the best things, best episodes ever done. Let's try to try to be good at least. And it isn't. But it, the fun thing on working The Simpsons is it's such an ever. It's both ever expanding, but also deeper and deeper looking into things as well. Yeah, when Homer got his head caught in the drawbridge, we really wanted to explore the emotional <laughs> implications <laughs> of here. that and how a family would deal with that sort of misfortune of having your father dangling by the head <laughs> from a drawbridge. A relatable experience. It's, it's happened to everyone here, I'm sure. And then there's a question in the back here. Which character would you most like to hear narrate an audiobook? <laughs> Let's go down the panel here and start with Sam. So the question was, uh, which character? Krusty the Clown. All right. <laughs> uh, I'd go with Chief Wiggum. Ooh. I'd go with Wiggum, too. Uh, my personal vote is Lunch Lady Doris. It's got to be Sideshow Mel. He's so mm. declamatory. <laughs> I mean, crazy cat lady. <laughs> Uh, Reverend Lovejoy, Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh my God! I was gonna pick Lovejoy, but I'll, I'll go with Troy McClure because he oh, make anything make anything Amen. good. Do we have another question? Let's in the uh, yeah, right up front. Um, so being in okay. music growing up with the Simpsons, obviously, I'm sure was a big part of like my life. Um, I mean, growing up in New Hampshire was kind of everybody else's only other point of reference, so. I always appreciated like the depth that you got into with this character, and I was always wondering like, 
kind of where that came from, if you knew someone who influenced that or sort of the genesis of Apu, like from your guys' perspective. Apu? You're asking about Apu? Yeah. Apu is originally, what I believe was Matt's idea based on the, from the Apu trilogies of the Indian movies, but I don't know, I don't know from, from any personal, because he, he existed before we were there too, so I don't know. But like, I think Apu is one of our most beloved non-family characters. I mean, you know, you know, it's it's a little weird that like a white guy is doing a pigeon voice <laughs> of an Indian dude. I mean, hopefully we get a little bit of grandfathering, not early '90s credit for when things were like different. Um, and like, you know, but I think Apu maybe look on the surface is like a stereotype, but is one of our deeper, more nuanced characters. Like he's. He's like a family man, but he's tortured about it. He's he's sort of spiritual, but he's also corrupt. <laughs> like he gouges <laughs> people. He's no, we don't make him perfect and patronize him, but he, you know, he's a, he's also one of the smarter people in Springfield who kind of tells people like get their shit together. And oh, I do know, I do know one personal thing in, in the episode. I think it was much a poo about nothing, where he where he he gets his American citizenship. That was actually based on a friend of David Cohen's, who's who's from India. And it was the, the thing where, where they're asking him all these, he gives a really complicated answer, and the guy says, just say slavery. <laughs> I think that was... Abolitionism versus yeah, anti-abolitionism, yeah. yeah. That, that really happened to David Cohen's friend when he was getting his citizenship exam, where like, he had this complex answer. So it's like, part like you, when you write an episode, you do try to put in personal things that you know, but it's not always the case. But we love Apu. Um, so uh, we're going to do one last question. Does anybody have a question for the entire panel? Anybody in the crowd? Shout it. I have one. Okay, okay. <laughs> He's coming. You can see. You, you have eyes. <laughs> for people listening. Okay. Among my friends, we Hello. have a, uh, anytime anybody says something stupid, we go, um, let me get this straight. You bet against the Harlem Globetrotters? <laughs> <laughs> so everyone on the panel seems to have a statement chambered for their favorite Simpsons statement that they say in normal mm. conversation. Could we maybe go down the row and Great have question. you say it? <laughs> yeah, we, if anyone needs a second, you know, we could These are good questions, guys, by the way. Solid questions. I'll start because this, uh, this is said in my house at least once a week. And even before I had kids, then Bill and I would say it's, and I'm gonna get it slightly wrong, but it's your views intrigue me and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. Yes! <laughs> Any, anytime someone says anything sort of half-assed or weird or politically strong or whatever, it's like the perfect statement. So I seriously say that at least once a week. Uh, I think uh, J Jasper from uh, I think Who Shot Mr. Burns uh, Part Two, the Who Shot Who and the What Now, <laughs> is like in my head on a daily. It, but it doesn't like yours relates to the context of your situation. Like it's just running on a loop all the time. I don't know why. It's just there's a musicality to it. It's beautifully stupid and gravelly and magical. I don't know why. It's a good line. <laughs> I got, um, I don't remember what show it's from, but. I think Dan, there's a Dan Graney line, which is, uh, I think it was Homer, Bard, and Ralph trying to figure something out. And they, there's something wrong with the team we put together. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
that sometimes when we're gone like 15 minutes pitching on something and it's not going well. <laughs> yeah, we accidentally don't write something classic in 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I... I love this line from uh, Millhouse Divided, which is, I think is my favorite show, where I think Homer is trying to, is he trying to woo Marge with like interesting nights out, and he's bought all these tickets to the Springfield Music Festival or something, and he's reading them off, and he says, an evening with Philip Glass, just an evening? That just, perfect. As you know, if you listen to the podcast, I love uh, bad segues and good ones, if I can think of them. So my go-to when I can't think of one is, so I says to Mabel, I says. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have two. Um, this is more of just like, in, in life, you know, a, a motto to, to stick by. Uh, I tend to always say, well, you got to nuke something. Um, <laughs> something. And then uh, my sister and I's favorite uh, line that we like to say, and my sister who is in the audience tonight, uh, give it up for Katie. Katie! Katie! I don't know how this somehow wedges itself into daily conversations, but I feel like we say uh, this one line the most. Um, I hate it when the waffles stick together. <laughs> Sticking together is what good waffles do. <laughs> Maybe that summarizes our relationship. <laughs> oh, can, I, can I pick one more? I yeah, just realized yeah, yeah. Uh, the one line that also occurs to me all the time is when um, Homer is singing, uh, he's in the car with Flanders, and they're singing rock and roll all night. And Flanders goes, boy, did you really write that? <laughs> and, and, and Homer says, yeah, I wrote it for Princess Diana and Dodie, because these days, and then they crash. <laughs> And the, to me, the great mystery of all these seasons of The Simpsons is what was he going to say next? <laughs> I, um, I have two as well, and I was going to, I wanted to choose both of these as my clip, but there's like nothing to discuss about them. <laughs> but um, was uh, Mr. Burns looking at the comic book guy and he goes, look at him, calmly eating con candy like a Spaniard, <laughs> which I love. And um, then the other one is where they're like cutting back on money and Marge is squeezing ketchup and mustard from the little packets into the bottles. And Lisa goes, do you do it with relish? And Marge goes, nah, to be honest, I'm kind of embarrassed about it. <laughs> Which is just the perfect joke. I had mixed feelings about that at the time. We had a little, there was a disagreement about that. Um, I just liked the idea that Marge was taking like takeout ketchup packets and squeezing them into a bottle as just a little bit of Marge business. And then we... It kind of flourished into a little, a little bit. Bit I just of a like professional the joke. <laughs> <laughs> but but I love this sort of like the weird embalmed comedy quality. Like that could have been an exchange in like a vaudeville show in 1923. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a timeless joke. Yeah. Uh, I I have two as well. Um, the the first is uh, a line from uh, uh, Radioactive Man, uh, the movie, and it's a line that unfortunately is cut in the syndicated version of the episode, Ooh. which always kills Nerd. me. It's, <laughs> it's immediately after um, the acid scene, and the producer says, that shot cost us one million dollars. Where the hell is Millhouse? <laughs> and then Krusty walks up and says, excuse me, I would like to speak to someone about this coffee. <laughs> which always gets me. And the other is, this one is actually something that my brain says almost on a daily basis, and it's a Homer line, and he says, I don't know if you're real, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman. <laughs> Every time.
Um, so that pretty much sums up our panel for today. But uh, there is one more <laughs> single person clapping. <laughs> um, there's, I've arranged a little bit of a surprise. Really? <laughs> I don't know about this. Dan Castellaneta, come on. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just Why kidding. would you do I'm that? Just kidding. It's John Schwartzwelder. Okay, I'm just kidding. Stop okay, it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, people dad. listening are like on the road, like, <laughs> no, like going, weaving it out of traffic. Okay. Oh my God. So, uh, Allie, uh, we've, uh, both been working really hard on making this panel great. You especially have been working really, really hard. And I wanted to, um, you know, honor that, uh, you know, I, uh, suspected it would go great, but I thought that just in case it was absolutely terrible, um, I've, uh, I have my lovely fiance, Mike, has a surprise for you. It's a cake that says, at least you tried. <laughs> and everyone can have a piece. <laughs> We're going to probably be taking <laughs> photos with it. Yeah. Thanks so much. After we're done Instagramming <laughs> it, you guys can all have a piece. So uh, uh, thanks so much for showing up and for validating this weird thing we do <laughs> in my house once a week. Yes, thank you guys so much. Again, let's have it for Josh Weinstein, Alex Hirsch, Matt Selman, Tim Long, Julia Prescott, Luke McGarry, and Sam Levine. Thank you so much. That's our show. Someone take a picture of us. <laughs> And then, uh, person who asked the question, get your scripts. All right. Thanks so much, guys. This one's just so for you guys posters. leaving the room. If you guys have Simpsons Season 1 on DVD, I want you to go home and find my favorite thing. It's a deleted scenes with Jacques. If you've never heard them, it's Albert Brooks. It's audio only. They never, they never drafted it and animated. But it's one of the funniest fucking things you've ever heard. The improvisation by Albert Brooks as Jacques, you can literally hear the writers and the text laughing. Please go home and listen to that. <laughs>